The following is a presentation from WDEV Radio. Fast pace. The money was just burning a hole in Bill Belichick's pocket. He had to spend it, and as fast as possible. Opinionated. Of all the stopgap quarterbacks, Cam Newton was the best choice for the Patriots. Kudos to them getting it right. To the point. Socks will be better. They're still finishing in fourth. The Brady Farkas Show on WDEVAM, FM, and WDEVRadio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Brady Farkas Show draft night on a Thursday. And it's perfect because we've got a full 90 minutes to be here. How convenient. Draft night. We are here for the entirety of our show, 5.30 until 7. Look, Red Sox and Rangers game one of their series from Arlington comes up pregame show right after us at 7.05. But we are with you right until that moment. We're going to break down the draft from all angles. We're going to have former NFL scout and former draft expert at the Sporting News, Russ Land. He's going to be on the show with us at 5.45. Adam Kaufman, who's usually with us at 5.45 on Thursday, will be with us at about 6.30 tonight, actually. So you can text in 802-585-3026 all show long. 802-585-3026. It's the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. And uh, by the way, If you're listening live and you're driving around right now wondering what you should get for dinner, I encourage you to go see my friends at the Waterbury American Legion right now. It's their Thursday night takeout dinner night. Looks like we got shepherd's pie and chili, and I'm all in right there. And there's some Brussels sprouts there in the veggie department for you. But uh, chili and shepherd's pie, these people know me very, very well. They didn't make it for me. They didn't make it with me in mind, but they know me well. So go visit them as you're listening to the show and you're thinking about what you should get for uh, for dinner tonight. Okay, 90 minutes, but so much to get to. So, everybody, let go. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show were brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Swanton, Middlesex, and St. Albans, and online at sticksandstuff.com. I am so pumped for the draft tonight. I have hated mock drafts for the last six weeks. I have hated conjecture. I have hated rumors. I have hated speculation. I have hated the grasping at straws. I will love tonight. I love the night of the first day of the NFL draft. I love the whole weekend of the NFL draft. This is the most excited I have been for a Patriots draft and I don't know, um, ever. The most excited I have been for a Patriots draft in ever. We hear the word hope thrown around a lot when it comes to the NFL draft. And we've never really cared about that here in New England, here in, the, here in Patriots Nation. This year, we do. Tonight represents something for most fan bases in the NFL. And what it represents is that hope. That in this weekend, you can turn your franchise into something incredible. That you are building something incredible. And it sounds corny. It sounds awfully corny, but it's true. Fan bases all around the NFL cling to tonight as a saving grace. And that you can find pieces that can bring you long-term or sustainable success. The Patriots have never needed that hope. They've never needed the lifeline 
that is the NFL draft because they've always picked so far down in the first round. It was a foregone conclusion they would be good. The player they drafted was not a necessity because they were so good. They had everything figured out. They had the coach, they had the quarterback, and that was going to carry them. It's a different time right now, and with that different time comes different expectations, different goals, and comes that hope that we haven't needed here in Patriots Nation. Tonight, the Patriots are looking at the draft like most other fan bases do, like a lifeline, like a saving grace. That hope can come to fruition tonight in the form of a quarterback. There's a lot of stuff out there. Jimmy Garoppolo rumors. Aaron Rodgers rumors. We'll get to all of that over the course of the next 90 minutes. But so badly, I want to see the Patriots get this done tonight. I want to see them draft a quarterback. I want to see if they want to be truly championship caliber or in championship contention year in and year out, this is where it starts. This is how it's done. Okay? The reason why I haven't spent hardly any time acknowledging mock drafts and acknowledging speculation is because the answer to me has been simple for months. Dating back to the season itself, like in November, it was simple to me. Draft a quarterback. If you can get the quarterback this weekend, if you can get the quarterback tonight, and you're aggressive in your approach to do just that, then you have the chance to prop open a championship window and keep it open for several years. And that is what I want. I'd love for it to be Justin Fields out of Ohio State. We've heard a lot of rumors about Fields to the Patriots in this draft. And, heck, I'd be willing to do what it takes to get up there to get him. To me, Justin Fields represents the perfect mix of what the Patriots should want. Accurate, smart, athletic, tough, has played in big games, can play a similar offense to what they ran last year with Cam Newton, but can expand upon the pass game in a way that Cam no longer can. Justin Fields, to me, that would make the perfect draft. And if it's trading up to 10, 9, 8, 7, or 4, doesn't matter to me. Justin Fields would represent the perfect draft, and there's almost no cost, I think, too high for Justin Fields. 802-585-3026. You can get in on the text line. I am very curious how yesterday's trade between the Panthers and the Broncos impacts the Patriots. If you missed this, the Broncos acquired Teddy Bridgewater from the Panthers for a sixth-round draft pick. So right off the bat, I know this now. Bridgewater is no longer an option for the Patriots, and I consider that to be a good thing. I was never in on Bridgewater. Not mobile enough, doesn't throw the ball downfield. I'm glad Bridgewater's off the table. We don't have to worry about him. We can focus on Cam, Stidham, and the draft. So I'm happy Bridgewater's out. And my gut originally told me that with Denver getting Bridgewater and then pairing him with Drew Locke, that that would take them out of the quarterback running at nine. And that would also be good for the Patriots. That was my original gut. That was yesterday. If, we, if I had been on the show live yesterday, I would have said, this is great for New England because Denver's not taking a quarterback. 24 hours later, I'm not so sure of that anymore. Okay? I don't know what angle the Broncos are playing here. Are they looking to draft a quarterback and, and have Locke, Bridgewater, and the drafted quarterback? That seems unlikely. 
But Albert Breer, the Monday morning quarterback, says they're listening on Drew Locke. So if they're going to trade Drew Locke and they can draft a quarterback and roll with Bridgewater and the drafted quarterback, that is now a real proposition that I didn't think existed yesterday. And I got some friends over at 104.3 The Fan in Denver, and they're all over this angle on social media. Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper, Daniel Jeremiah, all three of them have the Broncos landing Justin Fields today at 9. They've all got Justin Fields going to Denver at 9. So they think they'd be willing to trade Locke and end up with Fields and Bridgewater. And if that's the case, if we really think that's going to happen, the Patriots are going to need to get up to like 7 with Detroit or 8 with Carolina to beat Denver to the punch or to try to beat Denver to the punch. Because Denver right now, I think they probably could feel okay rolling with Locke and Bridgewater. But if Fields is there, if he's available, they absolutely could trade Locke. And that would scare the hell out of me if I'm a Patriots fan. That would absolutely scare the hell out of me. Now, I don't know quite why Denver would want to have Fields. Like, I love Fields, but they're built to win now. They got a lot of guys on rookie deals that are inexpensive. They're built to win now. I don't know why you want to pair a rookie quarterback in a kind of must-win-now situation. We'll see. We'll see. what I, I'm, I'm thrilled for it. I am so excited for what is going to come tonight. Again, the Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line is open, 802-585-3026. Get one in from uh, Jackson, who is uh, down in uh, down in Barrie, he says. And he says, Brady, what are the odds you think the Patriots trade up? I, I would say... I would say 35%. I think that they could very realistically want to trade up. But I think things are going to be crazy tonight. And if things are crazy, the Patriots just might not want to play that game. If you start seeing, look, the Saints are looking to get into the top 10. They're at 28 right now. If the Saints can get in, what is Pittsburgh going to do? How about Chicago? Do they want to come in and get a quarterback? There could be a lot of moving pieces in this draft, and the Patriots might say, you know what? We're not going to go down that road because we might give up a whole bunch of assets and get to number eight and then get passed by a couple of teams and we might just be screwed. And we, you know, we're, we've given up a bunch of future picks. We've gotten to eight and we can't get the guy we want. If it starts getting hectic, I think the Pats are going to sit the dance out. So 35%. I think that there's a real part of them that wants to. I just don't know if they'll be able to uh, be on the same level of crazy to some of the other organizations. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Russ Landy is coming up next. He's a former NFL scout and a former NFL draft expert for the sporting news. We're two and a half hours away from the first pick being on the clock right now in the NFL draft. What is happening at this very moment behind the scenes? Russ Landy takes us inside the NFL Draft War Room. That's coming up next right here on WDEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, everybody. Brady Farkas Show right here on this Thursday, NFL Draft Thursday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Patriots slated to pick at number 15 tonight. Helping us break down the draft in a couple of different ways is Russ Landy. We had him on during the week of the Super Bowl. We said we'd get him back draft week, and we wanted to, and we made it happen. So he's with us now. He's currently the director of U.S. scouting for the Montreal Alouettes and the CFL, but a former NFL scout 
has worked with the Rams and has worked with the Cleveland Browns. He's also been a draft expert over at the Sporting News. So, Russ, uh, a very impressive resume and a perfect person to have on draft night. Well, thank you guys for having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk about football, and especially in the New England area. It's uh, where I went to college, where I grew up in New York, so uh, love it. Well, I appreciate you being with us. We're a couple hours away from Jacksonville being on the clock. What is happening right now behind the scenes? Well, I think for Jacksonville, it's sort of uh, like a calm before the storm, because for them, it's not going to get crazy. They've already made their decision. They're not going to trade out. So they're sort of sitting there waiting till. Um, Goodell, they can officially say go ahead and make the announcement. They've already spoken to Trevor. I'm sure he's already in Florida so that they can, or actually he's not going to be in Florida. He's going to be showing up, I think, a few days later, but they'll be making the announcement. Um, and it's, it's, for them, it's nothing big in terms of craziness or hectic because it's sort of set in stone. It's all the other teams in the top five and ten where it's a little bit crazy because they don't know who's going. Who's going to go third? Who's going to go fourth? Those are sort of the picks that are going to determine the next 10 to 15 picks, and it's going to change dramatically what direction it goes. Should we have believed anything we've heard to this point? All the mock drafts, all the speculation, all the rumors, should we have believed anything we heard to this point? You know, I always went with the philosophy when I worked in the league, and even when I covered it in the media, if you believe maybe 5%, you're probably okay. But the problem is which 5%? Yeah, right. And a perfect example is I used to have a good friend of mine who was an executive with a team, and I'd always say, hey, I need to get some insight on who you guys are taking. And his deal was, I will tell you the position that we're going to aim to take in the first round. In exchange, you let me give you the name of the person you're going to put in the first round because he wanted me to put a name of a guy that they took off their draft board. Hmm. So oh, that wow. way it would add deception that they might be interested in some guy that's playing offensive line that they have no interest in because he failed his physical or he's a bad kid, and yet I got something from it because I could put in that they're going O-line and it helped me carve out their draft and I knew they actually wanted O-line. Hmm. Wow. Fascinating. Just the misinformation and disinformation. Oh, it's crazy. Um, as a former scout, how does your job get broken out, broken up throughout the year? Do you watch one region of the country? Do you watch one conference? How does your job as a scout get broken up? Most of the time in the NFL, you'll have an area. So when I was with the Browns, I had the Midwest. I had 11 states. I had like Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, the Dakotas, all the way out to Montana, Wyoming. And then you also cross-check another area where you go to all the big schools in that area, and that's your fall. You're pretty much on the road for four months. Um, in the spring, you're going to all-star games. You're watching film of certain players that you're assigned to do by position and underclassmen that come out. And then you're going to draft meetings, going to pro days, going to draft meetings, and then you're pretty much off for the summer. You get about three months off every summer from pretty much after this weekend until – August, when you go on the road, you might have to really work about two weeks. Wow. Um, how does it manifest itself on draft night or in the draft process? Are you stunting for your guys? Hey, coach, I really like the X player. Are they coming to you? Hey, what do you think of this guy? How does it work for you kind of pitching the guys that you have seen? Well, in the draft meetings, you, you'll pick out. Now, there's every year you probably have 30 guys you like that you really yeah. like, and, but you can't stand on the table for a thir all 30 because then they start saying, hey, you're screaming at about every guy you like. Yeah. So what you have to do is you pick out three to five guys a year that you say, hey, these are the guys that to me 
are like when I was a Brown. These are the guys that have the traits of the Browns. These are the guys we want in our building. So you stand on the table and fight for them. Um, but when you get down and the draft meetings are done, and you, for an NFL team, they were probably done on Friday last week. And this week, you've just been going through mock drafts to make sure you have everything right. But once Friday is done, you're done fighting. Yeah. Unless something comes up on draft day that's uncharacteristic, you should just be peeling the names off the board. Your job right now, this whole week, has been continuing to build the relationships with the guys that you don't think are getting drafted, that you want to have a shot at as an undrafted free agent. Hmm. And you've, if you're a smart scout, you've been doing that since the fall. You went to their school, you liked them, you thought they were borderline, you started texting with them, building that relationship, talking with them, offering advice. And this week you're talking to them about, hey, we're going to try to draft you in the day three. You're a guy we like. Even if you know you're probably not going to draft him and it's going to be a free agent, you have to build that rapport hmm. so that they'll pick you over another team that may be offering $2,500 more money. So that's where the college scouts role right now really is important is those two or three guys from each guy's area that you end up signing as free agents, if you build strong relationships, you can get some of the best guys that every team wants because you've really worked at it and developed a bond with these kids. Former NFL scout Russ Landy with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Now he's the director of U.S. scouting for the Montreal Alouettes and the CFL as well. You know, I want to ask you this, but since you're still active, you might not be able to answer it. So if you can't, just let me know. But like... <laughs> We've heard that Bill Belichick, basically, the scouts do the work, and then Bill runs the draft. As a scout, would that frustrate you that a guy that isn't watching what you're watching is ultimately making the decision, and it may not be as collaborative as other organizations? Well, firstly, I don't. I would say that's probably not how it is in New England from everything I've heard. From what I've okay. heard is, yes, Bill has the final say. But remember, about a third of the teams, the coach is in charge. San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan is making the pick. Yeah. I mean, he is in charge. It's really not who's in charge. It's is the scouting department and the coaching stats working together. Do the exactly. coaches say, hey, this is what we want from a guard? Well, then the scouts know to go look for a player with those skills. Do they meet? Do they talk? The reality is very few area scouts have a dominant influence on who gets picked because mm -hmm. there are six or seven reports on every player, whether the coaching staff's making the final decision or the GM. You have so many people above you. So your job is be thorough, be detailed, and make sure every bit of character and tangible, smarts, toughness, all of that information is there so that if the big wigs want to know, hey, does this guy have the, the traits we like in a person, you can provide that. It's not your job to make a decision as to who's getting picked in the first round when you're an area scout. Your job is make sure that if they want to pick your guy, there is nothing that's going to show up unknown when he walks in your building. We're all trying to figure out if the Patriots are going to trade up in the draft to try to get a quarterback. Can you trade up a few hours prior to the draft, or does it have to be done in the moment? And I guess if I hope I'm asking it right, like I think the Pats probably have to get up to like seven or eight to feel comfortable. Can they do that at, at six o'clock right before the draft, or do they risk getting past then and they have to just let the board play out and try to do it in the moment as seven is on the board? Well, you generally will do it in the moment, but the smart teams, and trust me, Bill is as smart as they come, they've been talking to teams since the senior bowl. Yeah. And, and you're not saying, hey, we're definitely trading, but what you're trying to find out is, are you guys even looking at the idea of moving up? Where are you thinking? Are there? And you're not obviously going to give names, but are there guys you think 
you be, you're going to be thinking about jumping up for, or are you guys leaning towards moving down? And you try to build on that throughout the spring, whether it's the coaches talking or the scouts talking at pro days, get as much information so that as you get to within a month of the draft, you can really start reaching out to the teams that you know, hey, these three teams, they really do want to move down. And you start talking to them, hey, if the guy we want is still on the board and nobody that you want is still there, what's it going to take for us to move from 18 to 9? And you start hashing out ideas. And you can come not to an agreement on we're definitely doing this trade, but, hey, if our guy's there and we still want to make a trade, this is about the package we're looking at. So the smart teams have done this way in advance. I've been in buildings where they picked up the phone and they said, hey, are we ready to do the trade we've been talking about? Yep, mm-hmm. okay, submit it. And everybody did it. I've also been mm-hmm. in the room where they called up and, do you want to make a trade? And people are screaming and yelling across the room trying to figure out, is this player worth it? Is this a good value? And by the time we got down to the clock almost ticking, we hadn't figured it out, so we had to pass on making a trade. Mm-hmm. So the smart teams are prepared. Not all the teams are really that efficient and on top of things. I'm not saying the quarterback needs to be a, 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 a sprinter, but I believe the quarterback nowadays should be mobile. And if the Patriots get a quarterback, I want it to be somebody with mobility. I don't want a statue. Am I overvaluing the importance of quarterback mobility in today's football? I think a little bit because the one thing I keep hearing, no matter who I speak to, whether it's the young offensive coordinators or the old veteran guys, is they all still say the same thing is it is great and an added bonus if you have a guy like a Lamar Jackson or or like Michael Vick who can change a game with his feet. But it doesn't matter what they can do with their feet if they are not at least good pocket passers. Because if, if you are not good in the pocket and you have to be on the move, trust me, the smart coaches, they know how to keep you in the pocket. They'll just force you to throw the ball. And if you're not good... Guess what? It's not going to happen. And, and I'm not trying to rip them, but if you look at some of the struggles that Baltimore has had against some of the better teams, it's because they've contained that offense and not allowed it to play in the perimeter. So if your quarterback struggles a little bit with throwing from the pocket, yes, it's going to be an issue. Not to say I don't want an athlete. We all want Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's a freak yeah. of nature both above the shoulders and below the shoulders. I mean, he does everything. But you don't want to trade the ability to throw the ball and be effective within the pocket to improve athleticism outside. You have to have a minimum passing ability. I guess I'm just looking for a quarterback that can buy time and extend plays a bit because, you know, the way I thought about it was when I grew up, the quarterback, the rookie quarterback could sit for two or three years and get the answer to the test that way. And by the time he got on the field, he could process everything. Now when you have to play right away or close to right away, I think that that athleticism helps you overcome the deficiencies you have in processing things. And I'm just, you know, hoping you can do that at the beginning to get by. It definitely helps. Um, There's no question, obviously, being able to avoid things that you otherwise can't because you're still figuring out. But the issue then becomes, if you go get into that habit early, do you ever become comfortable sitting and waiting? Or are you always going to jump whenever things are going a little sideways? So it's a fine line, and I will tell you, with every quarterback, it's impossible to know which one is going to be ready day one and which one's going to be a two-year project until you get them in the building. Because once you you can do all the interviews you want, all the stuff before you get them, once you draft them and hand them a playbook and get out there on the field, it's a whole other world. Some guys that you thought were going to be years away, you give them the playbook, they get on the field, you're like, wow, he gets it mentally, it's not an issue. 
Other guys, you were 100% sure they were ready. You get them on the practice field the first time, and, and you can see it's like back to kindergarten. It's going to take them a year or two. So the most important thing is find that kid that you feel comfortable with that's going to be good, whether it's now or two years down the road. And for the Patriots, I really believe, I know everybody thinks they're trading up. I just think that they're going to go back to Jimmy Garoppolo, and it's going to mm. be Garoppolo and Newton battling for the job this year. Wow. And they may take a guy in the second or third round. But I'm telling you, Garoppolo just makes a whole lot of sense. Is it more important to nail your first-round pick or to nail multiple players in the later rounds and undrafted free agents? Oh, I mean, to get the stars, yeah, the first-round picks are vital because they're just, and I always, I hate to say it, but it's true, there's only so many humans on the planet who can change games in the NFL. There are a lot of guys who can be good, solid players, but there aren't many Tariq Hills. There aren't yeah. any rare special guys. So if you have one in the first round that you take and you hit on, those can be game changers. But the good teams, they don't swing for the fences in the first round. And later in the draft, they're constantly finding two or three guys that may not become starters, but they're contributors, whether they're draft picks or free agents. If you come out of every draft with two starters and two contributors, you that's phenomenal. You are crushing it. Russ, I'll get you out of here on this. You're the director of U.S. scouting for the Alouettes. It looks like we're going to have some form of a CFL season this year. How much work do you do on the draft? Because some of these undrafted players are, or late-round draft picks are going to fall to you guys in the CFL. So how much work do you do on the draft these days? I do a ton. You know, I try to evaluate as many of the Division One schools in the country, all the seniors, whether they're Trevor Lawrence or guys that I don't think have any chance of being drafted. You try to grade them all because, A, you can never predict what's going to happen on draft day. So a kid that you think has no way of getting through undrafted and is definitely going to be with the team, all of a sudden he's sitting there Sunday with no opportunity and he's desperate for a gig. If you haven't graded him, you look foolish because his agent's calling saying he really wants to sign with you. Oh, I don't know. I'm not ready to sign him because I haven't graded him. Well, then you're not doing your job. And in addition, every kid that gets drafted or goes as a free agent to a team we're going to grade them when we go to the NFL training camps. So we're going yeah. to get a second look. But you have to be thorough and grade as many guys as humanly possible. We don't have the budgets like NFL teams to go to every school in the country. But we're going to go to the schools that matter. and The rest of them we're going to do off film from our homes. Russ Landy, former NFL scout, worked with the Rams, worked with the Browns. He's been a draft expert at the Sporting News. And now he's the director of U.S. scouting for the Montreal Alouettes of the CFL. Russ, continued health and safety north of the border. Can't wait to see the CFL back in action and appreciate all your insight on the draft here you got it brady thanks a ton for having me on as always well i appreciate you being with us russ as well and i will definitely be hitting him up again wow what a wealth of information that was so what we'll do we'll process it the staff is already making some edits here making some cuts we will get to our russ landy takeaways there in the next hour but first when we come back here as we continue on with the draft will stefan gilmore be on this team by the end of the night. What do the Patriots do with their best DB? It all comes up next on the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com, and the WDEV app. This is Freddie Coleman of ESPN, and you're listening to Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV and WDEVradio.com. All right, welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. I want to thank Russ Landy for stopping by. Just unbelievable knowledge he gave us there as the uh, longtime, really longtime NFL personality and personnel person talking with uh, 
you know, he was with the Rams, he was with the Browns, and now he's with the Montreal Alouettes up in the CFL, but he certainly knows what he's talking about when it comes to the draft and player personnel decisions. So great stuff to have him on. Adam Kaufman of WBZ News Radio in Boston is usually with us at 545. He'll be with us today at about 6.30, so we will appreciate uh, Adam and uh, talking to him a little bit later than we usually do. But if you ever miss any of the interviews or any of the full show, you can always check out the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just subscribe to us there. Um, Interesting stuff in this draft tonight. Will Stephon Gilmore be on the Patriots by the end of the night? Diana Rossini of ESPN continues to say the Pats could move the former Defensive Player of the Year and their best defensive player. Something to keep in mind, and it's a small little storyline to keep an eye on, Stephon Gilmore is in his final year of his five-year contract with the New England Patriots. He's making about $7 million this season. The New England Patriots could perhaps deal Stephon Gilmore on draft night as part of a package to move up if they are in the business of getting a quarterback. I did speak to a team in the top 10 who told me, that they've had calls with New England. It would lead me to believe that that team in the top 10 is clearly, it's either Detroit or Carolina, right? Like it would have to be Detroit at 7 or Carolina at 8 because with the uncertainty around Denver now and what they may do at 9, I can't see it being them. If the Pats are going to move Gilmore to get into the top 10, it feels like it's got to be at 7 or 8 there. I've said it time and time again. I want Stephon Gilmore on this team. Okay, that would be my preference. Stephon Gilmore is an elite defensive player. He's still he's probably on the backside of his prime, but he's still very very good. He recently won Defensive Player of the Year. He is the best Pats DB, the best Pats defensive player. I want him on this team as this team looks to compete. If I can trade him to get up to seven or eight to get the quarterback of the future, I would do it in a heartbeat. Stephon Gilmore's do not just grow on trees, but good defensive backs are able to be found. And for all the draft woes that the Patriots have had, they have found good defensive backs both in the draft and outside the draft. Now, they whiffed on Duke Dawson a couple years ago. But undrafted, they found Malcolm Butler. Undrafted, they found J.C. Jackson. Okay, Jonathan Jones. Like They have found players that are good NFL players at DB. So the Pats clearly know what they're doing on that front. I'm not saying you can go and replace Stephon Gilmore easily with an undrafted free agent, but the Pats have shown a track record that they can develop that position. And that's one of the many reasons why if they can move up to 7 or 8 to get that quarterback of the future, I would absolutely trade Gilmore. I don't want to. If it's not for a quarterback, I'm not doing it. If you called me up and said, "Hey, we'll give you the uh, we'll give you the 21st pick for Gilmore," I'm not doing it. If you said, "Hey, we'll give you a running back on our roster," I'm not doing it. I only want the quarterback. That's it. If Stephon Gilmore can be used as trade bait to get me a quarterback, that is what I will do, and that is all that I will do. That is all I am interested in. Okay, again, they found Malcolm Butler. They found J.C. Jackson. I got to believe they can find somebody else even if they move off of Stephon Gilmore. Gilmore had an interesting tweet, by the way, today. Not anything about trade rumors, but he put this out. This was actually pretty interesting. He says, everybody wants to talk about the undrafted player or the late-round pick. Well, what about the first-round pick that comes in with all the so-called pressure and has been balling every day since they've been in the league? 
And basically, he ended it with, that's some real talk right there. So Stephon Gilmore saying that the shine in the draft or the stories of the draft that we talk about, we're always talking about the unheralded prospect. Well, what about the guy who comes out, gets drafted in the first round, and actually succeeds? Gilmore was the 10th overall pick in the draft. So he's talking about himself there like, hey, you're all going to focus on the late round guys. What about somebody like me who came in and has done the thing since day one? You know what? Stephon Gilmore's right. Now, I'm not – it's not my style to have the outward display of cockiness. Like, that's a clear arrogance there. That's just not my thing. But to be an NFL player and to be an elite DB, you got to have an arrogant side. So I can let it slide, but, like, it's just not my thing. But he still has a point, Okay. We don't often, we hardly ever, in fact, give props to the guys that get picked high and succeed like Gilmore. Okay, We expect them to be good. We expect them to be good, and we don't often reward them for it. The media treats it like a foregone conclusion they're supposed to be good. The fans are like, well, hey, you drafted him in the first round. He should be good. The organization values a guy because they ultimately pay him. But like, from the media standpoint and the fan standpoint, the first round picks who hit, it's just something you're supposed to do, and I can understand why Gilmore is bothered by that. It reminds me of school. Okay, think about this. If you are somebody that grew up in a house with demanding parents, like demanding parents of your academics, and you went to school and you brought home your report card and it was all A's, did you really get praised or did your parents just say, that's what we expect, now go do it again? That's probably what they said in most cases. When you have somebody that struggles in a subject or struggles in school and they bring home a good report card, it's the best thing ever. And that's how life works. When you're expected to do something, you don't get a whole lot of praise. When you're not expected to do something, that's when the praise comes. Look, I was bad. There was a period where now I'm have been in my when I was in school, I was very book smart. Okay. I had way more book sense than I did common sense. So I would get good grades. But I wasn't very good in math. Like There was a period of time where I wasn't very good in math, and I was bringing home C's on tests, and I was getting 64s and failing pop quizzes. And you know, I always found a way out of it because I'd go to extra credit, and I'd go do all the stuff that book smart people do. But after about three or four bad tests, I started to bring home some good ones. Those ones got highlighted because it, was no, it, was, it wasn't expected I would do good at them. Everything else, it was expected I'd do well. Non-math Brady, when he started bringing home good grades, got a whole lot of praise. My test started going up on the refrigerator. That's how life works. And it's not fair, right? Like when you, Even when you hit expectations, you'd still like to be recognized. But in Gilmore's case, he doesn't feel he's being recognized enough, at least by the pundits and at least by the fans. And he's right. Okay, Now, He's clearly been valued organizationally, as I said. The Patriots paid him a five-year, $85 million contract. They, The league has valued him and made him Defensive Player of the Year in a position, by the way, in DB that never wins Defensive Player of the Year. So the league and the Pats and Buffalo who drafted him have valued him. We, the fans, we've certainly taken it for granted because that's what first-round picks are supposed to do. So interesting context there from Gilmore. Waterbury... Uh, the Napa Waterbury, Napa Morrisville text line is open at 802-585-3026. We get one in from uh, John, who's all the way down over in Rutland, who says, Brady, first time texting in. Appreciate the opportunity to get on. Love listening. 
I really hope this team doesn't trade Gilmore. I'm still worried about the defense. I mean, I'd be more worried about the offense than the defense, given what we saw last year, that they've made some real improvements to the offense, I think. But the game is now offensive-based. The Pats need to continue to address offense in this draft. They need to address defense also, but defense is completely fluctuating, right? The Pats were the number one defense in the league in 2019, and then were awful in 2020. Miami was a great defense, was an awful defense in 2019, was a great defense in 2020. The defense is so contingent on your schedule, the other quarterbacks, et cetera. There's a whole lot of variance there. Now, you're getting back Hightower, you bring in Matthew Judon, you've got a couple of rung stoppers. This defense is a whole lot better already this year than it was last year. If you lost Gilmore, that would be a big hit. But if you have enough offense, you can overcome just about anything in the NFL over the course of 17 games next year. So I get being worried if Gilmore is gone, but if Gilmore can lead me to a quarterback, all will be well. If Gilmore leads me to a running back or a second-round pick, it's no longer worth it. But if he leads me to a quarterback, then we're absolutely good right there. So I appreciate you getting in all the way from Rutland. So it's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We just had Russ Landy on, the former scout for the Browns and Rams and a longtime NFL draft expert. He says, Brady, you're talking about drafting a quarterback. I don't think they're going to do that. I really believe. I know everybody thinks they're trading up. I just think that they're going to go back to Jimmy Garoppolo, and it's going to mm. be Garoppolo and Newton battling for the job this year. Wow. And they may take a guy in the second or third round. But I'm telling you, Garoppolo just makes a whole lot of sense. So Jimmy Garoppolo makes a whole lot of sense for New England. We've been hearing that for a month. This morning, Tom Pelissero of NFL Network had the latest on Jimmy G. My understanding is you can anticipate multiple teams to be checking in with the 49ers today about a potential trade for Garoppolo. One logical team that has been connected to this for a while now, of course, Garoppolo's original team, the New England Patriots. But the wheels are not in motion on anything just yet. So nothing was in motion yet. That was early this morning. I have not seen anything on social media right now that links Jimmy Garoppolo to the Patriots presently. So it's all conjecture still at this point about Jimmy G's fit. Obviously, look, and, and, and I don't want this to happen. I don't want the Pats to bring back Jimmy G, okay? I don't hate Jimmy G. I don't think Jimmy G's terrible. I don't want Jimmy G back here. I want the Pats to draft a quarterback. But that said, it's easy to understand why this makes sense. Bill Belichick clearly has an affinity for Jimmy Garoppolo. Josh McDaniels clearly knows how to work with Jimmy Garoppolo. They think they know how to utilize and maximize Jimmy Garoppolo's skill set. And Jimmy G knows the terminology, knows the phrasing, etc. Now, he doesn't know all of these guys, but he knows the offense. And at this point, now he's a couple years removed, but he may have a better handle on the offense than Cam Newton. So there's plenty of reason why it would make sense. The reason why I don't want it is because I want a fresh start. I want a long, prolonged run with a cheap quarterback that I can build around. Jimmy Garoppolo is 29 years old. He's going to be 30. He's certainly not a dinosaur, but he's 29, about to be 30. I could go get somebody 21, 22, 23, whatever, and I could have them for four or five years on a cheap contract, let them enter their prime at 26, and now we're good here, and I've got an eight-year window or so where 
they're at the top of their game until about 34, 35. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be 30, and I would argue he's probably past his peak right now. It's not that he can't be good, but it's that he's past his peak as far as I'm concerned. He's also not cheap. Look at the money here we're talking about, Tom Pelissero. And you have one big complicating factor here. Garoppolo has a no-trade clause in his contract that just kicked in last month. So in essence, Garoppolo could scuttle any deal by not agreeing to a restructured contract on the one that is currently due to pay him $25.5 million in 2021. Okay? So Jimmy G's due $25 million. If he sticks it out in a bad situation in San Francisco and tries to hold on to the job, he gets it all. If he gets traded, then what's he going to get? I don't know. $20 million, $16 million, $12 million. I mean, there's a number where I become okay with it probably, right? But I don't know what that number is right now. $12 million's probably fair. Fourteen's probably okay. And I'd be willing to give him a chance to beat Cam Newton probably at that number. But is Jimmy G really going to go for that? If he's not, then I'm not interested at all. Jimmy G is not good enough for me to pay $20 million to right now. I want the cheap quarterback. That's been the benefit of this roster. That's the plan they had in action in free agency. Cheap quarterback we build around. Jimmy G can skirt all that and ruin all that by being expensive. Let's also not forget that Jimmy G is made of glass. He's missed a whole lot of time. That's why San Francisco wants to get rid of him. They don't want to get rid of him because he's terrible. They win when he's on the field. The question is, will he be on the field? He's missed time for an ankle. He's missed time for an ACL. He's just not a guy that you can go in and depend on for 17 games in a season. That's the sole reason the 49ers are moving off of him, because he just doesn't play enough. So play this scenario in your head. Jimmy G comes to Foxborough. I give up an asset or two to get him. He comes in. He's going to play not Cam Newton. Cam's PO'd. The team releases Cam. Cam's gone. And then Jimmy's there, and Jimmy gets hurt in week four, and now the team has who playing? Jared Stidham? And I understand any player can get hurt. But if I have Cam, Stidham, and a drafted quarterback, I like that a whole lot better than Jimmy and Stidham. I'm just not interested in bringing Jimmy Garoppolo back. There is a price where I'd be okay with it. But I don't think we're going to get down to that price. And I think that getting Jimmy in would be forcing Cam out, and then the numbers game becomes not one that I want to play. So I can understand why people make the connection. I'm just not interested in it, though. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Continuing on, on the quarterback scuttle, Aaron Rodgers reportedly miffed at the, at the Green Bay Packers. Reportedly ticked. Says he wants out. Now, is the issue that they haven't given him enough help in the past? Is the issue that they didn't go for it on fourth down a couple, you know, in the playoffs against Tampa? Is it years of frustration or did something new happen? We're not sure. But Aaron Rodgers, according to Adam Schefter, is fed up. And the San Francisco 49ers reportedly called the Packers about Aaron, and Aaron wishes the Packers had taken it. If I'm the Patriots, I would call the Packers also. I don't know what it would cost to get Aaron Rodgers. Now, I told you I'm not willing to play to pay Jimmy big money. If I can fit it, 
I'd pay Aaron Rodgers big money. I don't love Aaron Rodgers. I don't know that he's a great teammate. I think he'd be on his best behavior year one around Bill Belichick, but all in all, I don't know that he's a great teammate. He's also not a super long-term answer given his age. But I would make a call for Aaron Rodgers. Now, I'd give up my first-round pick, and I'd give my first-round pick next year. I can't give up six first-round picks for Aaron Rodgers. But I'd make the call if I were the Patriots. It'll be interesting to see how this goes out. Um, Ed Werder, ESPN. This is coming on right now. I asked an NFL GM how he would expect the Packers to respond to Aaron Rodgers' discontent. They should dig their feet in and make him play or be a game show host. So there you go. Um, the smart play, Matt Verderam, NFL director at Fansided. If you're the Packers, the smart play is to say you're playing here or you can host Jeopardy. So they're going to try to force Aaron Rodgers' hand into coming back. That's what people are, you know, experts in the game think that they are, um, you know, think that the Packers should handle it. I'd still make the call if I, I were New England. I'd still make the call and see what happens there. Okay. We do it every single day at this time. Let's get to who's saying what. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What did he say? I don't I don't like the signing. I'm not happy about the signing. Okay. I think about 99.5 of New England is upset with this news today. All right. They really said that? That's the issue for me, is that he is limited physically in a vacuum. Cam Newton's shoulder is what it is. His body is what it is. It's time for Who's Saying What on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. We got Red Sox baseball coming up here in about 40 minutes. And when the Red Sox get on at 7.05, the voice you're going to hear is that of Mike Mitnanski. They call him Mutt from WEEI. He's the host of the pre- and post-game show right here on WDEV. He was on with me yesterday in the digital version of the Brady Farkas Show. I asked him what he wants to see from the Pats on draft night. I want a modern NFL offense. I, I, the idea of Cam Newton and Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, you know, being wheeled out there in 2021 <laughs> as a representative offense, like I just, it, that's not for me. I want Fields. I want Trey Lance. I want Devonta Smith. I want Jalen Waddle. I want wide receivers and quarterbacks. And it sounds like I'm just some fantasy football nut who just loves offense. But I've seen it too much, like the, the final four in the NFL this year. You had four great quarterbacks, and you had four great number one receivers. So Mutt and I are in agreement that offense is where we want to go in the draft. And Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus told us this all season. You draft offense high, you throw darts at defense later in the draft. And the reason why is because of the reason I said earlier. The defense is so unpredictable. There's so much variance that you know your defense can get by with guys like that. It's all dependent on your situation around you, you know, who you're playing, etc. So investing in great defense in the draft doesn't necessarily yield a great defense on Sundays, Mondays, or Thursdays. So I'm with Mutt in that I want quarter you know, I want offensive players drafted. I want offensive players targeted. I want the quarterback. He wants the quarterback. If the Pats stick at fifteen then, yeah, wide receiver is where I would want to go to probably. I'm with him there. They need to replace Julian Edelman. They need to um, figure out what they're doing with Nikhil Harry. Could Harry be gone by the time this night is over, by the time this weekend is over? We shall see. They've got Kendrick Bourne. They've got Nelson Aguilar. That's good. a good start. They've got a couple of tight ends. They could use a dominant number one receiver. Maybe they can get him at 15. They certainly need to get multiple receivers 
in this draft. So I, I'm with Mutt mostly psychologically in that they should be addressing offense. Defensively, they need a DB, they need a linebacker. I think they could probably get those in rounds three through seven, and we'll see where it goes. But offensively, early, quarterback, receiver, that is where they need to be looking. So I'm with Mutt there. So, again, about 40 minutes until Red Sox pregame. Game one, Red Sox and Rangers. And we'll have the pregame show for you at 7.05, 8.05 with the first pitch. Okay, we usually talk to Adam Kaufman of WBZ News Radio in Boston at 5.45. He's kind enough to uh, come on with us here a little bit later today. He'll be with us on the other side of this break. What does he think would make a perfect Patriots draft night? Adam Kaufman, WBZ News Radio, is next right here on DEV. SPN, and you're listening to The Brady Farkas Show on WDEV Radio and the WDEV app. Welcome back in, everybody. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. He joins us every single Thursday. It's our guy, Adam Kaufman, from WBZ News Radio in Boston. Adam, how are you on this draft night? Waiting impatiently. Yeah, waiting impatiently is right. <laughs> what is dream scenario for Adam Kaufman and the Patriots tonight? Oh, boy. Um, Justin Fields. I don't know if that means you got to trade up to get him to eight or nine. If if there's any chance he falls to you at 15, certainly you're not you know, getting him any later than that. But Justin Fields would be the guy that I want, uh, ultimately. That's, that's my quick answer to your question. A couple logistical questions. Are you willing to trade Stephon Gilmore to get up high enough to get Justin Fields? That all depends on what their plan with Gilmore is, you know, I mean, we know that he doesn't want to play for the $7 million price tag. We know how much they value him. We know that at least we believe anyway, that, that he wants to stay, but if you're not going to be able to work out a deal where it inevitably, it feels like you're moving him anyway. I mean, this is, we've talked about this. This is something that I I've been talking about for a while. I've been tweeting about for a while, my belief that you know, I, I wonder if you're going to have to either use Stephon Gilmore to trade up in the draft or if you're going to use Stephon Gilmore to trade maybe into a second first round pick later in the yeah. round. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be at all. People haven't talked about it recently. I, I feel like everyone's been maybe just so fixated on all things Jimmy Garoppolo. But, you know, I the, the possibility of a Stephon Gilmore trade tonight wouldn't surprise me in the least. If it's not a quarterback at 15 or other are you in favor of moving back to still in the first round but if it's is it quarterback or bust for you a quarterback or move back it's not quarterback or bust i think there's a lot of talent in this draft and i mean honestly you can make the case that there's you know more sure or reliable talent at some of the other positions than the quarterback i mean quarterback is such a it's just such a draft crapshoot man it, it it really is you know i was looking at it with a friend of mine the other day the the first round quarterbacks taken over the last decade. And there were, again, the last decade, there were five to seven good ones, even, you know, at this point in time. And, and, you know, a a couple within that have gone on to be great. And obviously plenty that aren't even in the league anymore or have gone on to be career backups. And this is just in the last 10 years, you know, all this hype, you know, let's, let's not forget what the, you know, the almighty example of, of boy, who do we go with at number one? Is it Peyton Manning or Ryan Leaf? Well, one turned out to be the biggest draft bust of all time. And the other one to some is the greatest quarterback of all time. So it's, 
you just don't know. I mean, you look at the five that you expect to see go in the first round tonight, maybe all inside the first 10 to 15 picks. Those being obviously Trevor uh, Lawrence and Zach Wilson and Mac Jones and, and Justin Fields and, and Trey Lance. And then maybe at the bottom of the round, you see a, a Davis Mills or a Kellen Mond or a Kyle Trask, or those guys end up being day two guys tomorrow. But, you know, of, of that group, uh, even just the top five, excluding those other three, one probably is going to go on to be really, really good. And maybe it's not even Trevor Lawrence yeah. as everybody expects it is. We just don't know. And anyone who says they know, you know, clickbait, like nobody, nobody <laughs> knows. Nobody has a clue. I mean, it's, it's silly season. It's speculation season. It's lion season. It's, it's, we're, we're just, we're guessing. We are totally guessing right now. And, and of course I want the Patriots to, you know, land their QB of the future like anybody else. That's what makes this draft tonight, especially round one, more interesting than any draft the Patriots have had in the last probably 30 years because that position has been so shorn up, whether it's been Tom Brady for 20 years, Drew Bledsoe before that. You know, the Patriots haven't been in this position for a long, long time. And there's still, even if they get the QB tonight, there's still no telling that that's going to be the guy that, works out. So if there are people out there that say, you know what, I'd, I don't know, I'd rather they go with, with a receiver, like trade up for Devonte Smith, or if he's there at 15 or, or go get Micah Parsons, if you can get him or, you know, I get it. I do get it. And then, you know, wind up with a, a Mills or a Mond or a, a Trask on day two. I understand the logic. I just sort of feel like we've all been so, you know, heads wrapped around this thing for so long that, yeah, I, I want the QB. Adam Kaufman, WBZ News Radio in Boston with us here, as he is every Thursday on the Brady Farkas Show. Um, outside of quarterback, is there any position you specifically want them to target in this draft? Like, they need to get a good one of these for me to be comfortable and happy. Well, if you could tell me they're going to get a, a a guy who's going to go on to be, and and it's too much to say elite, but, but a, a really solid, well above average, you know, thousand yard receiver then terrific like especially with julian edelman now retired and you know so many i i think they did a great job in the offseason you know going out and adding at that position and certainly if you include the tight ends pass catchers in general but you still don't to me we've talked about this have that clear-cut number one and i know no rookie is going to come in and be that guy you know it's it's not uh, like a justin jefferson viking situation yeah. even then you know you had an adam Thielen, but um you know i i do think that if you can draft a guy that becomes that for you in the next two, three years, then terrific. Like the, the only problem I have is, you know, the one time Bill Belichick has ever drafted a receiver in round one, it was Nikhil Harry yeah. and he passed on, you know, DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel and AJ Brown along the way. So, uh, you know, and, and Bill reportedly at least went against his scouts in, yeah. in the process of taking Nikhil Harry. So I don't know, maybe Bill doesn't have the best eye for receivers in the draft. I have no, I have <laughs> no idea. Again, it's a crapshoot, but if you could tell me, that you're gonna you're gonna land a guy who does pan out, then I mean, after QB receiver would be next on the list for me. What do you think of the report that they reached out to Alex Smith this offseason? I have so many questions. They do this before they re-sign Cam. They do it after they re-sign Cam. Was he guaranteed a starting job? Was he guaranteed just to compete with Cam? I don't know. But what do you make of the Alex Smith storyline potentially to the Pats? Well, I find it very hard to believe they reached out to Alex Smith to say, you know, the starting job's yours. Yep. I mean, how how could you? 
you know, I mean, I, I get that he was good when he came back last year and, and comeback player of the year, an incredible story. And, and I mean, might be my favorite story in sports in the last decade. Like it's, it's, it's awesome. And I would love to have seen him on the Patriots for again, story reasons, but it was kind of in the same way that I was excited to see like Tim Tebow, you know, have a chance <laughs> to make the Patriots like cool story. You know what I mean? But as far as he, he's not solving any problems for you, you know, and Cam Newton, unless he looks like the guy that he did the first two, three weeks of last year, you know, isn't either. And Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, maybe is, maybe isn't. You don't know if he can stay on the field and no rookie is going to come in and probably be that guy for you either. So uh, this is it. It's another I don't want to call it a bridge season necessarily uh, because, again, there's there's a there's a ceiling Cam could reach that we saw flashes of last year that if he is that guy more often than not with the reloaded offense and and a much improved defense and guys coming back from obviously opting out and every like this this to me right now even if Cam is your quarterback I truly believe this is a team that is a wild card playoff team and you know yeah. has has a ceiling to be even better than that you know depending on just how well things go um i don't think alex smith gets to that to that place but I, I i don't think even still you ignore the need for uh the quarterback position being a priority and i don't think bill is i just you know what makes this whole thing so interesting for me for you for everybody else is we have no earthly idea what bill is going to do we have yes. no <laughs> clue trade up trade back stay at 15 does he want a quarterback in the first round is there a guy he likes in round two does he not want a quarterback at all maybe he just doesn't like this class very much we have no no one who is authorized to speak publicly <laughs> has any clue what is going through bill's head and uh that to me is the most interesting element of all yeah it's, it's amazing it's amazingly fascinating adam kaufman wbz news radio in boston with us every single thursday here on the brady farkas show so we appreciate Adam's time. So Adam certainly is one of the best. So uh, he's right. It's a fascinating, a fascinating draft tonight, a fascinating draft situation for the Patriots. And you know what? Something Adam said leads me into my crazy Twitter takes today. So guys, let's get right to it. The internet, it's a really weird place. Where'd you hear that? The internet. And you believed it? Yeah. They can't put anything on the internet that isn't true. Where'd you hear that? The The internet. internet. It's time for crazy Twitter takes on the Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. All right, crazy Twitter takes here on the Brady Farkas show. There's no soundbite for it, but it's, Adam triggered my mind to it. He said, you know, Tim Tebow, when he mentioned with the Patriots. Well, Tim Tebow, like, broke Twitter a couple hours ago because it was announced that Tim Tebow is working out with the Jacksonville Jaguars at tight end. And there you go. So everyone's like, oh, my God, Tim Tebow is back. Tim Tebow hijacked hijacked draft day. I saw somebody else say, come on, Tim, real tight ends need a chance. Some of you get way, just have way too much bad energy about Tim Tebow. And it's not even about if Tim Tebow is good or bad, but I saw the same thing when Tim Tebow tried to play baseball, like, oh, it's a publicity stunt. Oh, Tim, come on, Tim. There are real baseball players that deserve chances. Who are you people? Who are you people? And the reason why I say that is like, if Tim Tebow is good enough, let's just say if Tim Tebow is good enough to play tight end in the NFL, then he deserves to play tight end in the NFL. It's that simple to me. And if he's not good enough to play tight end in the NFL, then 
the Jaguars just cut him or don't offer him a contract. And that's fine too. But he deserves a chance just like a lot of people deserve chances. You know, there's a lot of people who off the street try to sign with NFL teams. They go to tryouts. They go to open tryouts. Or they go to camps. And a lot of them have no business being there. And so be it. That's fine. If Tim Tebow is good enough to play tight end in the NFL, then he deserves a shot. And if he's not good enough, then he won't. Who cares if he's 22, 32, hasn't played in forever? Like, it doesn't matter to me at all. And when Tim Tebow played, and by the way, this wasn't a publicity stunt. There, there was no, I saw nothing on social media about Tim Tebow attempting a comeback. Nothing about Tim Tebow working out or getting in shape. Nothing from the Jaguars promoting Tim Tebow working out. There was no buildup to this. This was an after-the-fact report. Tim Tebow and the Jaguars are talking. I mean, this isn't publicity. When Tim Tebow went and played baseball, he played minor league baseball for like three and a half years and played it low A and worked himself up, got to double A. I mean, maybe the Mets originally, it was their intention to have it be a publicity stunt, but it wasn't Tebow's. You don't put in three and a half years for a publicity stunt. And you know what? If he was good enough to move up, he was good enough to move up. And I don't feel bad that somebody else didn't get a chance because you know what? It happens all the time in life. Okay? I'm a radio host. I could go interview for another job tomorrow, and the minute the former athlete shows up, guess what? The former athlete gets it. They'd have never done radio, but they're the former athletes, so there you go. That's how life works. I don't feel bad that Tim Tebow was taking away an opportunity, supposedly, from some, quote, real tight end or some real baseball player who wanted a chance in the Mets organization. Tim Tebow gets all of you way too triggered. If he's good enough, he deserves to be there. If he's not, laugh at him after the fact, and he can go and get cut or not signed, and that's appropriate. But, I mean, my goodness, some of the, the people on Twitter, not this audience, but the people on Twitter is just completely baffles me. A couple of text messages here on the Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line here. Uh, Dane in Rochester. Listening to your interview with Adam, I agree with the quarterback crapshoot and the failures or shortcomings of past first-round QBs, but there's the other side of the coin. There's a reason Jacksonville gets the first pick. They stink. And is drafting Trevor Lawrence really going to turn it around? That's a huge responsibility. Point is, is I guess I feel like there's a lot of good talent wasted on these teams that get first draw. You know, that's interesting. Um, You know, Carson Palmer was drafted first overall, overcame the Bengals to a degree, got him to the playoffs. Baker Mayfield drafted first overall, overcame the Browns to a degree, has gotten him to the playoffs. Um, so, I mean, it can happen. Peyton Manning overcame the Colts, got into the playoffs, won a Super Bowl. It can happen. Eli, like, it, th- this thing can happen. But I've always thought that success in the NFL is often predicated on your situation around you. If Phillip Rivers ended up in Foxborough, maybe he's Tom Brady, and Tom Brady's not Tom Brady. If Tom Brady ends up going to, you know, now he was a six-round pick, so it's you know, a different story than what you're talking about. If he ended up with the Browns, maybe he's not Tom Brady. So there's certainly an element of where you get drafted and who you go to that absolutely matters. It absolutely matters. But uh, if I'm the Patriots, I still want to get a quarterback. This one is completely unrelated to the to the Patriots or the draft, but it's one I want to answer. Phil in Berlin. 
Brady, what's up with listening all night to the Red Sox and then not getting to listen to Alex Cora's post-game remarks? Can that be remedied, or is it a cost issue? So a little inside radio here. Um, that has nothing to do with us. That is not a cost thing at all. So what the desire, what so what happens is this is we take the Red Sox radio network. So WEEI out of Boston has a whole lot of affiliates and we are one of them. We take every minute of their programming during the game. Pre-game show, first minute, post-game show, last minute. We will always take every single minute of their programming. Alex Cora doesn't speak to the media in that broadcast window. WEEI makes the post-game show a little bit shorter with the intention of getting back into their WEEI programming and therefore we get to go to W you know we get to go back to our programming. And that's nothing to do with cost. It's WEEI saying we don't want to have an X amount of time post-game show that would then include Alex Cora's comments. He speaks after the fact. So Nesson gets him on TV, but you know, they do a longer post-game rap than WEEI does because they want to go back to their radio programming. Nesson's programming is the Red Sox and you know, what, 11 o'clock at night, they don't have anything else to go to. WEEI does. So, all right, there you go. There's little uh, little text line questions there on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. Tom Brady, I just said, drafted sixth round, pick number 199. What did they say about him on draft night? We'll give you the TB12 draft report, and we'll get you ready for Red Sox baseball. That's all next on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Brady Farkas Show right here, WDEV. Remember, if you miss any of the show or any of our exclusive interviews, you can always check them out online on the Brady Farkas Show podcast channel at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We've got four interviews up there today. We had two on the show, Adam Kaufman and Russ Landy, former NFL scout. We had two other exclusive interviews to the podcast channel, one with Lisa Scalotti of the Waterbury Roundabout about the Jacob Grout situation, which was fascinating. The school board at Harwood has voted to at least continue to look into Jacob Grout's firing. There's no guarantee he gets his job back, as I think he should, but it's possible that he will. They are continuing to reinvestigate the Jacob Grout situation. And then also Nick Mumley of the Inside Groove uh, Racing Podcast talked with us about the opening of Thunder Road this weekend. So that's all on the Brady Farkas Show podcast channel. Thanks to Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. Tom Brady, once upon a time, the 199th pick in the NFL draft. Mel Kuyper Jr. talking about TB12 right after he was picked by the Pats back in 2000. Smart experience. This past season, he cut his interception total from 98 and a half, tossed 20 touchdown passes, only six interceptions. Threw a touchdown pass, and actually, all 16 games he started against Big Ten opposition during his career. Accurate. It was a very catchable ball. He really knows when to take a little off as well. And that's the key, and he stands in that pocket very tough. He'll take a hit. Question's going to be mobility. Only runs a 5 2 5 40. And of course, when you have those edge pass rushers, you have to avoid the initial defensive end, the initial pass rusher. Can he? do that at the pro level i think tom brady has done just fine but you know what that's a pretty dead on scouting report brady smart good decision maker good touch on the ball will stand in the pocket and take a hit and the question about him was was his athleticism what's fascinating to me is that the same conversation we're having now about statue quarterbacks versus mobile quarterbacks they were apparently having then about tom brady i don't remember 
in 2000 hearing that you needed an athletic quarterback. We didn't have athletic quarterbacks in 2000 for the most part, right? Like Michael Vick was years away from getting drafted. He was, you know, 4 years away from getting drafted or 3 years away from getting drafted. We didn't have Cam Newton. We didn't have Kyler Murray. Like you're coming off a time where you had seen Randall Cunningham, but there weren't a whole lot of athletic quarterbacks in the NFL. It was Dan Marino. It was John Elway. It was Brett Favre. It was Drew Bledsoe. Like those were the guys. It wasn't about athleticism. I didn't think. Like I'd have to really go back and look at, you know, Vinny Testaverde. Like guys who started games in the late 90s and early 2000s, I didn't think of them as burners. So for Kuyper to point out the lack of athleticism for Brady, either he must have been really unathletic or there was a bigger emphasis on athletes at the position than I had thought there was. So uh, that was interesting to hear because for the most part, that was dead on, I thought. All right, NFL draft tonight. Patriots scheduled to pick at number 15. Will they end up with Jimmy Garoppolo? Will they end up with uh, Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. Will they end? Will they trade back and not even pick tonight? Who knows? You can follow me on Twitter at WDEV Radio Brady, or you can follow me on Instagram or on Facebook. Just search for Brady Farkas Radio. You will find me on all three of those platforms. I will be doing some draft commentary surrounding the Patriots. The draft is about. Uh, we'll kick off at about eight o'clock. Pats should make a pick at about nine forty-five if they stay at fifteen. They also remember could move up as I want them to. So hope is a very powerful drug, and I have a lot of hope today that the Pats end up with Justin Fields. We will see what happens. Red Sox baseball is coming up next. We've got Sox and Rangers. Pitching matchup is Martin Perez, the former Ranger, going up against Kyle Gibson. So I'll give you the lineups here before we turn it over to the crew at WEEI and the Red Sox radio network. Perez on the mound for the Sox, 0-1 with a 5-7-1 ERA. Back-to-back outings in which he went three and two-thirds innings. Kyle Gibson for the Rangers is the ace. He's 2-0. He's got a 2-3-0 ERA across five starts. Again, no losses this year, and he's held uh, opponents to a 235 batting average against. For the Sox, they're on the road. They'll hit first. Kike Hernandez leads off at center. Alex Verdugo hits second. He's in left. He's hitting 313 this season. J.D. Martinez is the DH. Seven homers, 21 ribbies. Xander Bogart sits it short at 348. Rafael Devers has six homers, 19 ribbies, and he's hitting 294. He plays third and bats fifth. Christian Vasquez is the catcher. He hits sixth. Marwin Gonzalez is at second. He hits seventh. Hunter Renfro is in right field. He bats eighth. And Bobby Dahlbeck, now up to 234 with a homer and five ribbies, is the first baseman. He bats ninth. For the Rangers, the versatile Isaiah Kiner-Falefa leads off at shortstop. Nick Solak is at second base. He's hitting 319 with seven home runs this year. Joey Gallo's the DH. The big slugger has two homers and nine ribbies this year. Adalis Garcia, right fielder, hitting cleanup. Five homers, 13 ribbies. Nate Lau is at first base. He hits uh, fifth, 280 with six homers and 22 ribbies. Jose Trevino's the catcher. He hits sixth. David Dahl, the former Rocky, is in left field. He bats seventh. The versatile Charlie Culberson is uh, at third, batting eighth. And Eli White is the center fielder. He bats ninth. That will do it for me here on the Brady Farkas Show. Remember, you can always subscribe, rate, review to the full show podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. We are back at it tomorrow. Full show, 90 minutes, 
full draft recap. I am so pumped for tomorrow's show. The voice of the Patriots, Bob Sosie, is going to stop by at 545. And then Rob Bradford of the Red Sox Radio Network and WEEI will be with us for our Friday Diamond discussion. We'll talk a little bit of Pats with him as well because he does a lot of work covering the Pats for WEEI. So that's all tomorrow. Enjoy the draft, everybody. Whatever team you're rooting for, cling to that hope, baby, because it is a powerful powerful thing. So we'll see you tomorrow on the Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV AM and FM WDEVradio.com and remember we are always streaming free on the WDEV radio app. Make sure you go get it really. I tell you that all the time. It's free Apple Podcasts or Apple Store, Google Play Store. You find it. It's easy. Download green icon. You play us wherever you want. See you tomorrow everybody right here on DEV.